Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. I don't know. I thought you were saying I was going to be on your shoulders doing this. <laughs> well, good morning. We are starting a new series this morning. I've been reading a bunch for it, and uh, I've been reading some... Actually, uh, Wendy described the stories as fateful stories. Uh, I was reading again the story about Aaliyah. Many of you know her, she, her as a famous R&B singer, shaped much of what we have for R&B today. She died in a plane crash at age 22. Uh, in 2001, and I was reading about that, and, and it's interesting. They were in the Bahamas recording a, um, uh, a music video. They got done a, a day early, and they decided to take a different private plane back to the States than the one they had arrived on, and, and as the baggage handlers were loading the baggage, they were complaining, saying, you've got way too much camera equipment, way too much weight for this plane. Uh, you can't do this. And they were complaining. They said, no, no, the Los Angeles-based crew that was with her said, no, we just want to get home, so just we're going to feel figured out and deal with it. So put it on. And, uh, and it was an eight-passenger plane, and they had nine people. So to give you a picture of how badly overweight it was, by the time the 300-pound bodyguard got on the plane, they had a total weight limit left to fill of 62 pounds, and they had eight people who still got on the plane after that 62 pounds. So you can obviously tell they were well overweight. They lumbered down the, the runway and they got 50 feet in the air and 200 feet after the end of the runway, they nosedived and all on board were killed. And the NTSB in doing the, the review of it said it, the overweight was, was an issue certainly, but even more than the overweight and the cause of the crash was the fact that it was so un, imbalanced. In 2005, there was a luxury charter plane that crashed in New Jersey. The kind of luxury charter plane that celebrities who usually used it paid $90,000 per trip to be a part of this uh, plane flight. And uh, it crashed not because it was overweight, but because they had taken on improper fuel loads and they were so out of balance in their weight distribution. And many of you may remember from history as well, there was uh, years ago a, a veteran marine pilot taking up a group of people to go sightseeing and uh, and uh, the plane was significantly imbalanced and they crashed and died, killing Keith Green, a famous folk art and Christian singer, uh, with his two kids and killing a friend of his, a couple uh, who were church planters and their six kids and the pilot all died in that crash. And it was the fact that they were only slightly overweight but primarily significantly out of balance. We start a series today called Room to Breathe. And I think all of us struggle with a fact of life, that we all run life way too fast, way too busy, over our capacity so often, living beyond our margin when it comes to our energy, our emotions, our relationships, and even oftentimes living beyond our margin when it comes to finances in our life. We're driven by the mottos of the people we admire, that you should work at a hundred and give 110% to anything you do because that's the price of success, right? We've all heard that, whether, whether we take that in work or we take it in sports activities or we take it in our family life or as parents or as friends or as followers of Jesus, we believe that if we live responsible, we need to work really, 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 really hard and be busy all the time. And busyness 
consumes us, doesn't it? None of us have ever heard a friend or somebody who was diagnosed with a terminal illness or on their deathbed say, I wish I had made another sale, right? We've never heard that. We've never heard them say, I wish I would have taken another appointment. I wish I would have been busier in life. And yet we all live all too often being so consumed by the busyness that we live without the end in mind, just making it through the day, just trying to live up to expectations. And some of us face that overload that we regularly live with in life with a sense of anxiety and worry that sometimes we'll struggle with depression because of it. Sometimes we just walk through life instead with just this trepidation that we're going to lose control at some point and, and we're going to regret what happened in life, the fact that we didn't live life on the more important things better. And then there's some of us who live and respond to that sense of overload and that unbalanced aspect of life, and we just run right off the runway like a, like a person with a smile on their face running at a brick wall. We, and whether we crash 200 feet past the end of the runway or whether we crash several miles into the trip like Keith Green and his crew did or whether we've been flying for a really long time and we end up crashing just trying to make it over that last mountain in life, the fact of the matter is when we live life without margin, when we live life overloaded and without good balance in life, we are living life in a dysfunctional way. And things are going to eventually go wrong. Sometimes that leads to death. Literally, sometimes it leads to death like it did for my dad in a sense where he suffered uh, six heart attacks at age 32 because of stress. Sometimes it's led for you to high blood pressure or uh, type 2 diabetes or stress headaches or other physical issues because you don't have time and margin in your life to take care of yourself. And sometimes it leads to death of relationships or decline in our ability to even feel and difficulty in our emotions. I had a rather gross experience about a month ago uh, that I'm going to tell you about because it, it just, it, I think it applies to this. Our, our dishwasher stopped working. It, it wasn't uh, cleaning things well. It was kind of working, but it wasn't really cleaning things. And so before I was going to pay the money and wait the week, you know, to get the serviceman to come out, I decided I'd go on YouTube and look at videos to figure out what I could do on my, on my own to see if I could get it working. And the, the YouTube videos basically said, well, take all the trays out and take all the tubes and all the, all the little wands that spin around with the, take it all out and clean it out and make sure everything's good. And so I took everything out of the inside of my dishwasher. And it, it, it's really kind of amazing and a little bit gross what you find in the dishwasher when you do that. Have you ever done that before? Taken everything out, I popped up all the sprayers and all the tubes, and I discovered that food had been building up in some crevices for years in the dishwasher. And, and, and by the time I got to it pulling it up, it was kind of this, you know, this tan, brown, black, you know, jello type substance that, that felt like it was like a really stiff jello or maybe a flimsy rubber gasket. I mean, over time, it just kind of one piece at a time gets through that little gap and gets caught in the crevice. And then another piece gets in there. Once in a while, some of it washes out. But eventually, the buildup of all that stuff wins the battle and it just becomes this one solid mass. And it's just gross. It stinks. It's just, yeah, right? 
And I felt like as I was thinking about this series on margin that that image kept coming back to me. And I think what happens so often in our life is that we go through life at max capacity or living beyond our capacity, running so fast without margin to process life that that some of the important things that we want to pay attention to, we don't have time to even think about them. So we don't have time to figure out what's important and how to say no to what's not important. And stuff builds up in our, in our minds and our hearts. There's questions that we need time to answer that we don't have the time to answer. There's important conversations that we need to have, but we don't have the emotional energy or the time to have those conversations. There's insecure things that we feel and insecure thoughts that we feel, but we never really process those. So it's just this gunk just kind of building up that never gets dealt with. And we have bitterness and hurt and things that go on and, and, and we never have time. We just and, and it gets isolated in our life over time. And we put it off in this crevice over here out of the way, but as time goes on, it, it it gets more and more formed and it becomes bigger and it becomes more solid and it affects our life more and more. And after a while, it's even hard to uncover some of those conversations that we've needed to have that we've neglected because it's been so long. Why would we even want to bring it up now? And it becomes harder and harder to develop, to, to, to even, to even address and it's, because it's old, it's stale, it's smelly, and yet it's still always there. It always affects our emotions, it affects our relationship, it affects our life. See, when we don't have enough margin in life, when we don't have time to process life well, we not only too often live life busy, not even doing the important things, just being busy, but we also too often let gunk build up in our relationships, in our emotions, in our hearts, in our souls. What we're talking about in this series is margin and balance. And margin is the idea, this idea of load, the weight that we're carrying, the pace that we're going. Balance is the idea of equilibrium. Margin is the idea of making space for things that matter most. And balance is the idea of preserving that space in good working order. There's an author, Dr. Swenson, who writes a great book called Balance. And in it, he says that balance is the stable, reliable orbit around our most important priorities. There's a pastor named Brady Boyd who, who comments on this, and he says it this way. He says, most of our problems in life are caused or are made worse when we are too busy moving too fast. And isn't that true? I mean, think about it. If you're married, think about it in your marriage. The problems in marriage are oftentimes because you're like, you're like airplanes passing each other in the night. So eventually your date night ends up being managing the calendar and managing all the expectations and saying, I need more of this. I need less of this. I need you to do less of this. I need you to do more of this. And it's all these negotiations going on about the things in our life that we need to accomplish and the six or seven calendars between your calendar work and the kids and the school and everything else that needs to be managed. And life just becomes a part too busy and we don't really ever have an unhurried conversation. Or, or it's in our money as well, right? I mean, how many of the poor decisions in our life have we made because we were too rushed, too tired, and we made poor decisions and we were impulsive? I was uh, listening to something this last week and they were talking about some marketing research that's been done that says the most likely time of the day for you to make an impulsive decision is what? Between 9 and 10 o'clock. That's the reason you get a lot of emails at 8.55 at night because they know it's the most likely time you're going to click and you're going to buy that email on that email that comes up. And the question that this whole series begs of all of us is why are we so addicted to being busy? 
Why are we so addictive? I mean, we try to manage it. All of us try really hard to manage it. And oftentimes we do fairly well only a month later to realize that we haven't, aren't doing so well again. And, and I've talked to you openly about my own struggles with balance and margin and my own drivenness in the past. And there are spates of time in life where I, I, I make real progress. I do better in caring for myself or caring for family balance or other things like that. And, and then something tanks it and it takes a month to get back there. Why? Are we so addicted to being so busy? I mean, margin, I think part of it is that margin and balance is this constantly moving target. There's constantly new demands in our life and new expectations arising all the time. And it's this, it's this constant management process that we have to, to look at. In fact, the reality is if you're successful in life, the more successful you are, the more you're going to have to manage this because the more successful you are, the more demands there are going to be placed upon you, right? That's just a, a simple reality of life. I've been searching for reasons why we're so addicted, and I think there's... I think there's at least three. There's probably more, but there's at least three. I think one of the reasons we're so addicted to being busy is the, it's the expectation of our society. The, that if any one of us is going to be likable or successful, we're going to be very busy. Because think about it, it's logical. If you're very likable, then a lot of people are going to spend time with you and a lot of people are going to ask for time. If you're successful, people want to be around you and they're going to demand being around you and demand your product or your service or your expertise or your time to be with them. But I think another reason why we, which is parallel to this, I think another reason why we are addicted to busy is because busy makes us feel important, right? I mean, think about it. If somebody comes to you and says, uh, what are you doing this week? And you say, well, I don't really have much going on. I'm not really doing much at all this week. What are they going to think of you? Right? What are they going to think of you? Are they going to think you're successful and responsible? with an answer like that? Or are they going to think you're retired, and if you're in your 30s and you're retired, then you're really successful, that'll be okay, but otherwise they're going to probably think you're what? You're th- they're probably going to think, well, this guy doesn't have much going on. They're, they're, they're kind of a bum. And I mean, because we feel important, don't we? When we have to start booking our social calendar three weeks in advance or a month in advance. I mean, because that's what we perceive really successful, important people having to do. And when we do our good job and work, we expect growth and we expect to be able to do more of that and we want people to, and people want more of what we have to do. And, and, and when people want more of what you have in your work, it makes us feel good about ourselves, right? Henry Nouwen uh, writes in his book, Out of Solitude, about this and he says, when we start becoming too impressed by the results of our work, we slowly come to the erroneous conviction that life is one large scoreboard where someone is listing the points to measure our worth. And before we're fully aware of it, we have sold our soul to the many grade givers. And that means we are not only in the world. He's referencing a scripture there. We're not only in the world, but also of the world. And then we become what the world makes us. And what the world makes us is really, really busy striving for more, striving always for another hill and pushing ourselves harder and harder. I think we're also often addicted to to being busy because busy is the drug of choice for many of us to avoid the sense of being alone with ourselves. See, if I stay busy, 
I can ignore the dark places of my heart. I can ignore those difficult beliefs, those beliefs that cause difficulty for me in life. I can ignore those things. I can ignore those difficult, painful circumstances or challenging circumstances. I can ignore those difficult feelings I have if I just stay busy. I don't have to allow time for God's Spirit to come in and work in me and change me and deal with some of that stuff in me. I can just run through life. I can even be a faithful follower of Jesus running into church saying hi and then running on to my next appointment or in the afternoon with kids or whatever it is that's going on, or I can just go home and I can keep myself incessantly distracted, incessantly preoccupied. There's a comedian named Louis C.K. He describes himself as, he says, I'm probably an atheist, but I, I can't say that because that would be too arrogant to say that there's nothing like God out there in the universe. And in this clip that I want you to watch of him, uh, I want you to first forgive some of his language and not let that distract you. Just pay attention to what he's saying because I think he has some really profound things in his own comedic style to communicate to us today. Isn't that true? That is close to home, doesn't it? I mean, we're okay texting and driving and killing ourselves, hurting others and killing ourselves and hurting ourselves just because we don't want the sense of being alone. We stay busy, really, really busy. And the problem around us hasn't been resolved by things like the computer and the panacea that was supposed to be as far as making life better. It just makes it more intense, and we work more hours than we ever worked. And in our home life now, tech hasn't made it easier either, has it? I mean, how many of you sit there at night while you're watching a TV program with a smartphone or a tablet in your hand, flipping between apps, being constantly busy, watching your kids, flipping between apps while you're watching your kids or interacting with your kids, having a conversation at the table, flipping through apps while you're there? Don't Raise your hands. It's probably too many of us to have to raise our hands. I mean, think about it. Facebook has only been in existence for just over 11 years. It was only eight years ago that the first smartphone came out. There were no apps before that. And now we can't live for a second without them. We have to incessantly be distracted. And it's not healthy for our margin. God doesn't want us to live a marginless life, overloaded, imbalanced, constantly being busy to avoid life, avoid feelings, avoid the muck that's accruing and become more busy and less fulfilled in in life. He created us for a rhythm that involves rest, that involves aloneness. Even in Hebrews, he says, I want you to enter my rest. I want you to enter this place of margin, this place of balance, this place of homeostasis, this place of harmony with the most important things in life, living out of your sweet spot, not just busy. Jesus says it explicitly in Matthew 11 when he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, All you who are busy, who are tired, who are overly stressed, not dealing with the stress well, who are living beyond your physical, emotional, and, and spiritual capacity. And he says, I will give you rest. And some of you are thinking, boy, that sounds nice. That would be awesome to no longer worry, to no longer feel that sense of anxiety, to get enough sleep, to feel like I'm living in my sweet spot. I'm living what is, what is really most important. I'm, I live each day content and satisfied with what actually happened that day and where life is at and yet excited about where life is going at the same time with this sense of rest. And Jesus says, you can take my yoke. 
Take my leadership, take my workload, take my guidance upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and humble in heart. He's saying to us, I'm not going to lay another heavy on you. I'm not going to demand more and harder. I'm not going to demand something too proud, too big, too demanding. Instead, I'm going to lead you gently and with a sense of humility and humble understanding because I know how you feel. He's saying to us, I know what you're facing. I know your desire to succeed. And God is saying to us, I know, in fact, I want you to succeed. I want you to achieve the abundance of living life out of the most important things that will enrich you and others the best. I want you right there in life. That's where I want you to live. And then Jesus goes on and he repeats himself as if he's trying to urge us to hear and receive what he's saying. He says, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Do you feel like the burden of life is light? That's where Jesus wants us to live. Learn from me, Jesus says. Well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? I mean, we know Jesus had a lot going on. In fact, I love the way Brady Boyd talks about it. He says Jesus had the best reason ever to be a workaholic. He had the whole world to save. And there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? But what did Jesus do? In Luke 5, we see this clear picture of what Jesus did in the face of huge need, huge demand for his time and for what only he could bring. Now, to understand it, let's look at the context a little bit. The context is Luke 4. Jesus has just barely started his public ministry. After 30 years of being fairly silent, he starts his public ministry, and he begins it by spending 40 days in the wilderness all alone, fasting and praying. And the text in in Luke 4 says he came out of the wilderness full of the Spirit of God and the power of the Spirit of God was upon him. And by the time we get to Luke 5, what we see is thousands of people showing up everywhere Jesus is going. I mean, picture this. People walking for miles, carrying their paralyzed, their wounded, their sick people to be healed by Jesus. And even at this point, we begin to see some of the religious and political leaders starting to hear about this guy and coming out to check him out and see what he's like. And in spite of this, and this is all in spite of Jesus trying to manage the exponential growth and keep it down, because you see Jesus doing this, what sometimes baffles us. He He heals people and he says, now don't go and tell people about about this. What we see Jesus doing is trying to manage the, the for, let me just use it in, in terms we can understand, the growth of his business of ministry. It's going so fast. He's trying to manage it and not let it go too fast. And then in Luke 5, it says this, and yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew. Now, some of you are at a place in your business career life or in your business period where you feel like the growth is great, the opportunity is ripe, and you just need to be seizing the moment. And so you start thinking to yourself, this is the season of life that's more work-focused. All the other priorities of life, the family and kids and marriage and recreation and physical health, they can take a, they can take a back seat. This is my time to seize the opportunity. And some of you are just frankly, in a business that's just demanding. 
And whether it's growing or not, you're in a business that's demanding. And, and you know that in order for you to get that promotion that's going to give you the pay increase, that's going to allow you to start paying for more things to be done around the home instead of you having to do them yourself, that you're going to have to work late and you're going to have to work weekends, just hoping that you can build the resume to get that promotion or get a new job that allows you to do that. So even if you have to work as hard, you begin to create margin by being able to pay for more to be done. And, and your thought is, I'm, I'm too busy to withdraw to lonely places. Maybe your business is the business of, of raising a family. Maybe you're, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad or, or even a stay-at-home. You're just, you're just a, a parent of two or three kids and you go, I, activities, they're seven days a week. When can I ever, ever get a break from this? I mean, some of you go, well, the only place I ever get a break is in the bathroom. And that lasts about, what, two minutes before the kids are knocking on the door. I'm hungry. He took my toy. Can you get it back for me? You know, I mean, you just never get a break. But Jesus had this habit in the midst of tremendous demands, life-changing demands of often getting away. Not every now and then, but often. Not when life slowed down, but right in the midst of the rapidly growing demands, the legitimate needs. I mean, he was faced with life and death healing and salvation issues, needs out the wazoo, and yet he takes time to often withdraw by himself to lonely places and praying and thinking and processing life and asking God questions and praising God. And the text doesn't say how long he was away at these lonely places. It just said he often did it. But Jesus thought that creating that kind of margin, that kind of space was more important than all the other demands going on in his life, to have that habit regularly in his life. It's interesting because coming out of this, the very next verse, we see this, and it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. In other words, what we see happening is he withdrew, and he came back, and the demand continued to increase. If you want to talk business terms, his market share and territory continued to rapidly grow. And then it says this, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. God wants to meet us. And unless we create room for him to meet us and empower us, we don't get that same empowerment. The habit we see in Jesus is regularly getting away and coming out with the power of the Spirit in the moments. God wants us to live with abundance in our lives. I mean, just even that word abundance means we've got margin. We've got more than we need. We've got above what we need. We've got margin to spare in our spiritual life, in our emotions, in our physical life, in our relationships, in our, in our work lives. Sleep is enough. Joy is enough. See, I think most of us, including me for most of my life, don't really realize how important margin and rhythm and rest is. We mentally assent to the idea, and we, and we often try really hard to be better at it by becoming better at our to-do list, by becoming better at our time management, by becoming better at our leadership principles so we can get things done more efficiently. And, and, and all, that, all those things are good. They're very good. But the issue of margin goes deeper than that for most of us. I mean, it goes to how we trust God. Do we really trust that God created us to succeed by 
giving 80 to 90 percent of ourselves to something and, and retaining some margin in life? Do, do we really believe that God called us to the job we are in and that he intends for us to be able to succeed and still have margin in our life? Is God really going to take care of our kids really well if we don't run at this insanely fast pace and give them absolutely everything that we think would be good for them in any stretch of the imagination? See, margin is essential to our own health. I mean, most of the problems in life that we face are caused by or made worse because we are moving too fast for too long. Isn't that true? I mean, the power of temptation is stronger when we're tired, when we're moving too fast. And not just when we're tired. Maybe you're well-rested. Maybe you feel strong, but, but temptation is still strong. Why is that? Oftentimes it's because we don't have time or take the time to process the emotional and relational gunk that is building up just as a matter of course of walking through every day. We don't have time for God's Spirit to come and talk to us about those things and bring healing and direct us in how to navigate those things. Instead, we cover it up with entertainment and by constant, incessant distraction. We treat margin as this simple fix of better discipline, uh, but it goes deeper than that. It goes to how we feel about ourselves. It goes to how busyness makes us feel about ourselves. You see, instead of giving 110% to everything we do, and instead of even giving 100% to everything we do, God's invitation is to, to give 80 to 90%, give a really good 80 to 90%, but have this margin, create this capacity in us for Him to bless us, for Him to bless others through us, instead of, and, and for us to constantly have time to refocus on the important things in our life instead of being incessantly busy. I mean, it, it even comes out in... I've heard so many people talk about this principle even in the tithing, even in the giving side of things. If, if people who have come to me and said, I used to, I used to live on 100% of my income and now I give 10% to God and for some reason the 90% that I have goes further than the 100% ever did because God is blessing me. My world is rightly ordered around the priorities. And the same is true of our busyness and our margin. If we will refocus on capturing margin, doing 80 to 90 percent, refocus and have time to refocus on what is more important in life on a regular basis, we will have more richness and more success in our life than we would without it. Now, I'm hesitant to say that, though, because too many of you are probably like me. When I used to think about this, and I still tend to think about this, when I start evaluating margin in my life based upon I'm going to give less to achieve more, then my focus remains not on what I need to be focused on, but on productivity. I keep on trying to gauge everything by how much I get done every day rather than how healthy I am and how I'm focused better on the most important things. What we really need to do if we want to tackle this margin thing and this busyness in our life is focus on reducing the busyness and creating margin so that we can create the room for God to enlighten our lives, to lead us, direct us, and empower us. And then when God is ready, 
whether it's after 30 years of quiet and 40 days in the wilderness like Jesus, He's going to empower us greatly and accomplish a ton through us. Or whether it's after we build a habit of taking a few moments a day, every day, to build margin in, to check in with Him, and then God empowers us. We leave the impact up to Him, but we focus on creating this space for healthiness in our life with Him, with ourselves, with others. Our job is to retrain our habits to learn a healthy rhythm that allows margin to happen, that allows us to trust God that he has good plans for us in the jobs, in the family, in the community, in the situation he's called us to, and to build in regular recovery and regular rest. See, we know logically that this idea of giving 80 to 90% of ourselves to stuff is really best because we've watched friends who have given for way too long, 100, 110%. We've watched them burn their health out, burn their relationships out. We know that. We even know it from the mechanical world. If you run an engine at the red line or above, that engine is going to burn out a whole lot faster. But if you run that engine at 80 to 90%, over the course of the life of that engine, you're going to go 10 times as far and more reliably if you run the engine within its capacities, within the margin that it's intended to be. The invitation for today, and worship team, go ahead and come on up. The invitation today is how hungry are we all to live a life like the one God invites us to? How hungry are we to live a life where instead of always living on a tank that's a quarter full or a tank that's empty and running on empty all the time, how hungry are we to live a life that's overflowing, that's full? Right? A life where we regularly experience this harmony called rest, where our relationships, our work, our faith, our finances, the important things are orbiting in a really good, healthy fashion, and we feel content and good with where life is at in those things. How hungry are we to learn to have the kind of margin in our life that God wants us to have? The lesson of today from Matthew 11 and Luke 5 is that when God is present in our rest, he will also powerfully be present in our busyness as well and make that so much more valuable. I want us all to grab onto that, and I want us to just begin this week to ask God to show us how he wants us to live that way. So, Lord, we ask that you'd come now, and I pray that your spirit would come to each one here and that you would speak to all of us. Lord, that in the ways that we uh, remain busy because it makes us feel important, would you help us come to you and feel that importance from you and to be free of that drive? Lord, would you help us to trust you to run the pace of life that is right, that is a good fit, where we still work hard, but we learn to rest, we learn to revel in the important things, we learn to spend time with one another, we learn to spend time with you in ways that are so much more beautiful than what we're experiencing even now in our busyness. Lord, for those of us who have let gunk build up over time and it's really hard to be alone, to be quiet and alone, Lord, I pray that over these coming weeks that you would lead us into those places. And even if they seem scary, even if they seem difficult, would you help us process that stuff so that we can be free, that we can experience your joy, we can experience your rest, we can experience your contentment in life. 
Holy Spirit, just come and do your work among us. I want you to join with the team now in, in the worship and let, let what he's speaking to you continue to be a theme because the songs are going to help lead us into that rest as well. So let your worship be toward God and let him come and experience him. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.